we're now five weeks into the season in the SEC, and if someone had not seen any of this at all, they'd probably come back and say, ah, it looks like Georgia and Alabama again, huh? It's not been quite the easiest path to get there, but that's where we stand here in the middle of October. I'm Dane Young, joined by Brent Rollins from Pro Football Focus and the Hall of Fame head coach Jim Don, and we do Around the League here from GSports.com where we talk about every game in the SEC. We're brought to you by Connor Grading and Landscaping and Breda Pest Management. Coach, I'm going to start with you with our game of the week, which is Texas A&M at number 19, Tennessee. The Vols a three-and-a-half-point favorite at home. I thought the over-under interesting in this game, 54-and-a-half. The prognosticator is not saying a lot of points in this game. Hard to pick those over-under anymore unless you're playing uh, Middle Tennessee last night. The over-under was 54, and they hit it right on the number. But uh, I think the the biggest thing in this game – Defensively, uh, both teams have been really good in certain situations, uh, particularly the, against the run. Uh, you, you've got a team that really stops the run in uh, Texas A&M, and uh, certainly Tennessee has, has pressured the quarterback and done a lot of things to create lost yardage plays. Uh, I think the, the, the quarterback that can launch the ball, and it's pretty obvious from what happened with Alabama last week, you got to make some big plays in the passing game against this A&M defense, and can Milton do that? You know they've been relying so much on the running game, and and they they haven't had a lot of explosive plays. So uh, this is a time for both teams that really, I mean, you, you know, it's elimination game. You're pretty much out of the the deal anyway with one loss, but uh, certainly the fact that A&M lost directly to uh, to Alabama, they'll have to Alabama lose twice, but. I look for this to be a very competitive game. Both quarterbacks are good, and whichever one takes best care of the ball, I think, wins this game. How about you, Brent? Very similar. And then also, who protects their quarterback? Because Max Johnson last week was pressured on 59% of his dropbacks. That's insane for a game. Uh, That's not sustainable. Now, I will say some of that was Max holding onto the ball. I think he did a lot of instead of getting rid of the ball sometimes but holy I don't know what what in the world was Jimbo thinking not going for some of those fourth downs like you go for it on the fir- first drive you drive all the way down the field and, and go for it and then you don't get anything and then later in the game you're tied and then you're all in and then down seven in Alabama territory that part and then all right goal to go you're you're a score away and then you or you're not I think they were nine down they get second and 12, and they say, okay, we're going to run a couple more plays. They waste like another 50 seconds to a minute and then kick the field goal. I would have kicked it. That's the timeout, too. I mean, just so yeah. much of the, hey, you're the CEO. Everything should be sort of by the book. There's like a, a model thing that you can put in to the uh, simulation and be like, hey, here's the game scenario. Here's the down distance time, all the factors that go into play. What's the score? All that. Should you go for it or should you punt? And like getting the fourth downs in those situations was like a 15 to 20% win probability change for Texas A&M, like massive in terms of win probability numbers. But it's just, ugh. I was very frustrated because outside of big plays, they really dominated the game. And I think should have beat Alabama, but they just couldn't get over the hump. But can, can they protect Max Johnson? And like Coach said, can Milton actually make plays down the field? Because Tennessee, you about to go this physical game because Texas A&M is physical at Alabama, at Kentucky. Nice little three-week stretch for them. 
and so far on the schedule for Tennessee, I really don't know who the Vols are because we've talked about Georgia's schedule. We talked about Kentucky has an easy schedule. I mean, Tennessee's played Virginia, Austin P, and UTSA. Other than that, they lost badly to Florida, and they did beat South Carolina pretty good. So I, I don't know what to think about this team yeah. because I don't think we've seen a lot. Definitely going to learn a lot this week. All right, next game on our slate, Brent. I'll stay with you on this one. I, I think this is the most interesting game of the week in the SEC. It's Auburn at LSU. LSU an eleven point favorite at home. If this was in Auburn, I think this could get a little a little dicey, but it isn't. It's Tiger Stadium at night, and Auburn's offense, Georgia notwithstanding, still has some issues. Yeah, but guess who they get to play LSU's defense, which there for a time during the game against Missouri is like, okay, is Missouri going to even have to punt in this game? And they actually did finally get a few stops here and there uh, in the second half because Jaden Daniels is obviously playing on a whole other level. I think he's fourth right now in the Power Five in terms of overall uh, right. for quarterbacks. So, like, he's playing on that whole other level. Can you actually get some stops if you're LSU? Uh, outside of that, for for uh, for Auburn, can you complete <laughs> can you complete some passes, or is it going to be all QB run game uh, dependent? Yeah, I just think this is going to be a tough, tough out for Auburn because they can't keep up with it from the scoring perspective. Even if they have a out of body experience, they just haven't shown. They've had six straight games under 100 yards passing going back to last year. And you know, the one thing that uh, LSU can do is, you know, make some plays in the open field once in a while. And I think uh, they'll do that against Auburn's offense. And then, of course, Daniels. Uh, will present a heck of a problem for uh, – they just can't gear in on stopping the run. He's so good at running when he's under duress and making the plays, and they got big-time receivers. Uh, I, I would be surprised if uh, LSU doesn't really kind of show their stuff and uh, win this game handily. For you know, all- I was say, what's interesting about Daniels and his running ability, like you watch him and it's like, is he moving that fast? Because he's just kind of like Vic – not necessarily Vic S, but – Randy Moss asking away with his length. It's like, is he really moving that fast? But he's just blowing by people, gets through creases, sneaks. Like he's not, he's not crazy shifty, but he gets through creases like crazy. He's, he's, his ability to run and find holes is amazing. Prognosticating ahead, I think you can say LSU controls its own destiny because Ole Miss plays Georgia at Georgia, and that's not going to be favorable for for the Rebels. But LSU still having at Alabama A&M at the end of the season. Coach, I think Brian Kelly probably is frustrated at the schedule with one thing. In between Auburn and then in between at Alabama, there's a bye week too. But you get Army. Why? Why would you want to play that offense in the middle of your SEC schedule? Yeah, I mean, he didn't have anything to do with that. I mean, he probably scheduled a few years ago. But the thing that Army's doing, though, is gotten away from their pure bone stuff. They're running more. I watched them against Louisiana Monroe. They're actually running some gun stuff, a lot like Air Force, still triple option. But they've, they've gotten away. They made a change offensive coordinator-wise. Uh, but, again, that's not a real good team to be playing to. Uh, Oklahoma can show you that. When, a couple years ago, they ended up playing them. And, it was a terrible, one. terrible nightmare for him. But uh, I think LSU is just a wannabe team. They want to be like they were last year. They're not as good defensively for sure. And offensively, uh, they, they make enough mistakes that uh, against a good team, it really, really uh, haunts them. So uh, Ole Miss, we'll be talking about them. Uh, certainly got a lot of good things going for them. But I just don't see who's going to, uh, uh, you know, we've already seen, 
Ole Miss lose to Alabama. I don't see Alabama's got four of their last six at home. It's going to be hard to unseat them. Ole Miss gets the week off. If you want the week off from your yard work, you need to check out Connor Grading at landscapingconnorgrading.com. I want to show you this before and after that they did for this yard that kind of backs up to a lake with a little pier. And man, like just the difference that happens in a couple of days when Connor Grading and Landscaping gets out there, moves the earth, lays down the sod, makes sure everything gets routed like it needs to be. So if a rainstorm comes in, that that's not going to completely wreck all the progress you've made. These are really intelligent people when it comes to how the earth operates and how weather affects it and how it's going to sustain. So you don't have to do this again in six months. ConnorGrading.com. They've been longtime supporters of UGASports.com and especially around the league. So tell Mike Connor and his team that you heard about them from around the league at UGASports.com. All right, Coach, Florida and South Carolina, that's a 3.30 kick on the SEC Network. South Carolina's 2-3, and 1-2 and two in the league right now, but a two-point favorite at home against the Gators. Well, you just look at the, the home standing team. That's been the real uh, big deal for uh, Shane Beamer's team. They've utilized that home field advantage, and you talk about a woeful away-from-home uh, team. That's the Florida Gators particularly under Billy Napier. He's only won one time when they left the swamp uh, since he's been there. And they've lost as a team 15 out of the last 17 from uh, when they've left there. That includes the losses to Georgia, supposedly neutral field there in Jacksonville. So, I mean, I see some semblance of some athletes on this Florida team and I see occasionally uh, they'll look like a team, but stop the penalty, stop the loss yardage place. You're not good enough to beat anybody if you beat yourself. Uh, you look at all these losses, they have an inordinate amount of just dumbass penalties on top of just the regular penalties. But they do have some capable players. And ETN didn't play last week. I hope he does this week for Mertz's sake so they get a better running game. And as far as South Carolina, this is a team that's on the edge, the preposes. I mean – this could be a team that if you don't get this W at home, you still got to go to Missouri. You got to go to A&M. You got Clemson coming in there. You're looking at that new contract that Shane Beamer signed. All of a sudden, they're not even going to be in a bowl. They got to get four more Ws. I don't know where they're going to come from. But uh, they do have a quarterback that can play out of his mind. And they seem to be getting a little bit better at protecting and running. This is a real – like I can pick this game if you had, gave me a million dollars. <laughs> bonus to pick it because you're talking about it looks like playing at home South Carolina should win against the Gators but last year Gators destroyed them down there at the swamp so how you feel about it Brent give me some updates here I give me some help man I need I mean I I feel like it's a like you said it's a kitchen sink game like this is where you Beamer goes for it you know fake punt things like that trying to get the crowd uh, keeping the crowd into the game because like you said, I think there's two games left on their schedule that they'll be favored. That's it. Like and four and eight, staring at their face if they don't uh, handle some, you know, get some wins where they're not necessarily uh, favored or, or potentially getting upset here or there. The biggest thing with Florida, like you said, Coach, offensively, it's like, and I looked at this later in the week, looking at Georgia and Kentucky, watching Florida offensively versus Kentucky. The answers that they provide for the quarterback are so minimal and it just, it was very frustrating to watch to be like, okay, this should be an easy, Hey, let's have an answer to the blitz. Let's have a hot to the blitz here. No answer. 
and, and that inconsistency, like Merch is playing actually really well within what it is they're asking him to do. But he's also – he is last in the power five in terms of average depth of target by a wide margin. 5.6 yards is how far on average he throws the football down the field. Carson Beck is down there as well. His is still 8.1. Like, like they – it's dink and dunk and short and quick, balls out quick, no playmakers in terms of making plays down the field. If they don't get that with the road woes they've said, I think you talked about, Coach, it's going to be a struggle, I think, for them. And with South Carolina may not have a path, a path to a bowl game, Coach, I look at Florida's schedule, and if Florida doesn't beat South Carolina, it needs two more wins out of the following. Georgia, uh-oh. Arkansas at home, okay, I can see it. At LSU, uh-oh. At Missouri, uh-oh. Florida State at the end, uh-oh. Well, the one thing they got over South Carolina, they got four, and South Carolina's got two. So that's a, you know, they it's a little easier to get two. But you're right. I mean, it, it uh, and you got to go get get a winning season. I mean, they they've already had two losing seasons in a row. One of them, uh, Napier wasn't a coach, but uh, I don't know that they want to go to a bowl if they play like they did out there in Las Vegas last year. I mean, they kicked a field goal to keep from getting uh, shut out at the end of the game against Oregon State. And, you know, I just don't want to pile it on Florida too bad because they, they do have some capable players and they, they've got great tradition. But uh, it just doesn't strike fear in you to see that Gator team come out on the field right now. I mean, it's just – but deep down, they got to win over Tennessee. So, we can't take that away from them. Staying in the SEC East, Brent, I do a weekly radio hit in Clemson, and they asked me this morning, who's the second-best team in the SEC East? And I stammered, and I stumbled, and I landed on Missouri. And you can tell me if that's right or wrong, but Missouri is an underdog at Kentucky, two five-and-one teams, Kentucky a two-and-a-half-point favorite at home. Can I tell you after this game? <laughs> I'm, allowed to, I'm allowed to postpone that answer to see after this game. Uh, this is like – all right. Kentucky, I, I don't know, Coach. I don't. Have you ever had a game where one player literally sabotages your team, like what sixty-two for Kentucky did? Like the penalties that he had were just egregiously bad. Where they're rolling down the field, and then also just a couple even missed blocks at certain points. But like because of those two things, plus zero for Kentucky, the Walker kid. Those penalties, like it's instantaneously down twenty-one nothing, and it's their own doing as much as anything. Uh, but it, with Missouri, I thought that I thought they were just going to steamroll and keep steamrolling LSU because Brady Cook and then Luther Burden that combo, some of those throw, throws that Cook made, like the one he made the Weiss in the uh, left corner of the end zone, phenomenal throw, and he's running the ball a little bit. I, I like, I think I like Missouri on the road here. Yeah, when you look at the Missouri football team, uh, they had everything going for them, the biggest crowd ever, going back to uh, back when uh, they were rolling and winning the SEC East when they first got in there. I mean, they had a good lead, but uh, they they squandered it because, you know, everybody's talking about going into the season, if if they can score the points, their defense is going to carry them. Now, all of a sudden, their defense looks like sometimes they hadn't even practiced some of the ways they've – just giving up so many inordinate amount of big plays. But getting back to Kentucky, we talked about it last week, and I said it. I said, I don't think Georgia is uh, 
as bad as some people think they are. They were trying to put it, stick a fork in us. And I certainly didn't think Kentucky was as good based on the victory over Florida. That was what everybody's basing on. They'd struggle against Eastern Kentucky. I think you talked about how many yards Vanderbilt held uh, uh, Davis to. Uh, they just don't win any big games. When you look back at his career, 11 years, he's only beaten two teams with a winning record in the SEC games since he's been the coach there. I'm talking about if you take an Eastern Division team or a Western a team that won six and lost two or five and won three, that, I mean five and lost three, that they've only done that twice. So he can't win any big games. I don't know what it is. He's a good coach. Uh, they, they certainly prepare well. But uh, let me just tell you, Mike Bobo's got the answer against him. He's hung 50 on this team three different times under two different head coaches. He hit, hit it twice when he was a coach uh, against Mark Rick, and he did it Saturday. So, And it probably could have been a lot worse if that had kept him in there. But uh, I just think Georgia right now, different level when they play up to their potential. But, you know, and they got their injuries situation coming back too that's going to help them. But uh, the reality is, again, I don't think Georgia now is as good as they look and Kentucky <laughs> as bad as they look. So they're playing at home. And you got to call on all the stars there to get out there and help them win because uh, this is always a, a down-to-the-wire game. We look at some of the calls at the end of the game, the way it's influenced, the, the way this game has turned out has been a, a, a real nail-biter every time they've played. Two things down the pike for Kentucky. One, Alabama's still on the schedule later in the season, so that's not good. Two – Louisville, the in-state rival that you play at the end of the season, currently undefeated Louisville after beating Notre Dame. Here's what's left for Louisville. At Pitt, that's winnable. Duke at home, winnable. Virginia Tech, yeah, that's going to be a win. Virginia, that's going to be a win. At Miami, I have no idea. Let's see if they kneel the ball. There is a chance, y'all, that Louisville can go undefeated leading into Kentucky, and that's what Mark Stoops has to deal with on that day. Where's the game? That game is at home in Louisville. All right. Well, that's going to be tough. He's still got to play Bama too, right? Yep. Kentucky has that. But I'm just saying from a logistical standpoint of talking to your fan base, trying to get more money out of it, if your rival in the state at the end of the season just went undefeated. They just hired a new coach. Yes. Like, And now the schedule's not great for Louisville. Yeah. I'm not sitting here saying they're a great team or anything. I'm just saying it wouldn't be the greatest look for old Mark Stoops. No. Well, I can not. tell you this. Kentucky, some of those guys, all they got to do is go behind some of those barns and dig up some of that cash. <laughs> yeah, they, got some, they got some money they can hand out, that's for sure. I mean, just, get, just go ask the basketball team for some a loaner. You can find that bourbon cash. I hear you, Coach. Uh, well, if if you're digging in your yard trying to figure out where all those critters and pests are coming from, don't do that. Call Breda Pest, and they'll come do it for you. Family-owned business, the official pest control company of the Georgia Bulldogs, so they can service Sanford Stadium. They can service your home, too. BredaPest.com. Uh, man, I, I really love seeing just the, the customer service that they give. But also, this is a family-owned business. It's been going on for five decades now. And that's uh, Breda Pest is a proud sponsor of what we do here. And we're proud to have them aboard this season. Again, the official pest control company of the Georgia Bulldogs. Two more games here in the SEC. Coach, I'm going to go right back to you on this. Arkansas, 0-3 in the league so far. 
not getting any reprieve with Alabama. The Crimson Tide, 20-point favorite at home. Sam Pittman needs a little good news somewhere. Otherwise, this can turn south pretty quickly. Yeah, I'm really, uh, really surprised. I mean, certainly they got a, played a difficult schedule, including BYU is a good team. But to be, be down like this right now, they're against the wall and uh, just haven't had any semblance of a running game. And, uh, and K.J. Jefferson is pressing to get some help. Uh, uh, you know, defense gives up so many big plays. They played good the other day. I mean, they 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 were competitive. That's for sure against Ole Miss and held Ole Miss f- fairly well. But uh, I just think this is going to be a tall, tall task because all of a sudden that Bama team that everybody was doubting and wanted to know if Nick still had it and can Milrow play and all that, they found a way to generate some offense and still have some trouble with. Uh, discipline though 14 penalties i mean you know that's unbelievable last year they lost two games where they had one 15 penalties and another 17 they got to stop those but uh, their defense is starting to look like some of those alabama defenses we used to see when kirby smart was there so i, I just think unless alabama just really doesn't do anything offensively that this is going to be tough tough road for uh, arkansas don't you brent Yes, and especially – the only caveat I would make to that is if if you can keep them from getting big plays down the field, because what Milrow is doing right now with the deep ball is unreal. He is on throws over 20 yards in the air. He is 17 of 25 for 602 yards, seven touchdowns, no picks, 99.1 passing grade on throws over 20 yards. That's insanity. Like, that – that's amazing. That's and by the way, that's fifty-two percent of his yards. Like for comparison, Beck has like almost nineteen hundred yards. Twenty percent of his yards are on throws over twenty yards. So like the amount of just how they are depending on the big play plus the running part. If you stop the big play in the passing game, I don't know that he's consistent enough uh, in the underneath areas to do that. But like you talk about, they're competitive with Arkansas. Another game where they lose by one score or less another game where they're you know two straight tied or leading in the fourth quarter and can't finish the deal. It's just, I think that's going to be sort of the the story of the Sam Pittman area at Arkansas is highly competitive, just couldn't finish the deal. Which is still better than the Chad Morris era, no matter what happens. (laughs) (laughs) And one other thing with Bama, and I think this, you talked about the, the defense for Bama. Caleb Downs, the true freshman from Mill Creek uh, outside of Atlanta, struggled early. Texas and Sark took advantage of him in that game. He's been on a massive heater the last three games. 85-plus grade each of the last three games is now the eighth-highest-graded safety in the nation as a true freshman. When you combine that with Arnold and, and Kool-Aid on the, at the corners, strength of the secondary, now you let Dallas Turner and, and Braswell and those guys eat. Like that, that, that's the recipe for them. Hit a big play out down the field. Burton, by the way, stepping up. Jermaine Burton stepping up for them. Run the football, run the football a little bit. Run the QB, and then play defense. Ain't it funny how talent wins out? <laughs> Final game of the week here in the SEC. Georgia's at Vanderbilt. That's a noon Eastern kick on CBS. Georgia, thirty-one and a half point favorite. Brent Vandy had the same stretch last year where it looked like all was lost, but found a way. End of the season, beat Kentucky, beat Florida. Lost 56 to nothing to Tennessee, fine, whatever. But it was still two wins to build momentum for a program that didn't have a whole lot of hope. I'm not seeing that this year. 
No, and, and it's mainly because their quarterbacks keep turning the ball over. They lead the their QBs lead the league in interceptions, uh, and also turnover worthy plays. So the quarterbacks take care of the ball, give them a chance. Uh, it, the big thing though with this is everyone. Every team they've played has pressured them outside of the FCS team that they played. Can Georgia – I want to see Georgia get consistent, just rush with four and get pressure because that's not something we've seen a lot from Georgia because they actually – like Shepard is an NFL-level receiver and maybe the one of the better receivers that Georgia's going to face in their schedule all season. 6'3", 200-pound guy, leads – I think he leads the number two in the FBS in terms of touchdown receptions already. So they're going to feature him and they're going to throw him a lot and get the corners and, and probably pick on Dale and Everton a good bit, I would bet. But can you pressure them because everybody else has? And then, hey, can you, you play against some of the receivers? Outside of that, one, noon kick in Nashville, that's always a thing. Like that's, you know, don't sleepwalk through the game. Do like you did two years ago, which, by the way, do you remember who the starting quarterback was? In that game two years ago, JT Daniels. That would be JT Daniels started that game two years ago at Vanderbilt. Last start, really. Mm-hmm. And that's uh, you know, that. And then also, I the biggest thing about and we Dane we talked about this in film. Don't lie, but Georgia dictated the pace of the game against Kentucky with their offense, and I think that's how they have to play and how they should play is because that's playing to the strength of their defense. The strength of the defense is the secondary. You force teams into, into throwing the ball, you're playing to the strength in your defense. The strength of your offense is throwing the ball. Do it. And they've done such a great job of being efficient with it. Because uh, I was asked earlier in the week, hey, is that, you know, you think that's bothering Kirby that uh, Kirby Smart, that his team is such a pass centric team? No, because he knows that's the best way to win. But also, too, as long as they're playing complimentary football and it's not inefficient and you got consistent three and outs, he's like, all right, let's go for it. Because he talks consistently about, how much explosive play difference matters. And that's where they're getting their explosive plays. And that's where they're going to is in the passing game. I do I think I can see Georgia though, uh, because of the people we're getting back. If Milton continues to play like he is, I think our running game is going to be accelerated and not take away from the passing game, but not put all the burden on the hitting all those plays and making first downs all the time on third and five and all. I, I mean, I, I like the analysis there, but I do feel like, uh, particularly with Milton coming in there to help Edwards, that we can take a little burden off of the quarterback. And what happens there, you might not throw as much, but you hit them with a big one with the play action that comes off the running. So uh, I look for Georgia to hammer and tong them a little bit up there Saturday. And with the teams that, that are upcoming on the schedule, at least a couple of them, if you get a big lead on a Florida later, definitely Vandy this week, I think there's some cash carries in there for the second half. Just oh, yeah, you got cash and – and maybe Rod Robinson is going to start playing again. And then uh, we didn't get to see much of Bell at running back, but uh, he, he's still going to be a part of it. We, we got so many different avenues to travel. It's hard to get them all. It's like going, like Roddy going through the buffet, going for the <laughs> Eli Pie right away. But you got to be careful. The timing of the schedule, by the way, with Georgia, that like getting through this part of their schedule, showing what they did against Kentucky playing Vanderbilt, having the week off for, before the stretch run of games that they have, that sort of perfect timing from a schedule standpoint. Three quick games I want to touch uh, outside of the SEC. Coach, your buddy Mac Brown being the home favorite against Miami. This was going to be a massive matchup if Miami kneels the ball out. Uh, it's still a big-time one in the ACC as North Carolina tries to maintain its status as one of those top two spots because 
like I said, with Louisville doing what it's doing, North Carolina doing what it's doing, all of a sudden Florida State up there too. Top end of the ACC is pretty crowded. Yeah, I think um, Drake Mays really gives you a chance against anybody, and they spread. They got this Tez guy back that he got eligible from transfer from Kent State. That's helping them. But defensively, they're just playing so much better, creating low yardage plays and not having just outscore everybody, creating some uh, turnovers. Uh, playing at home's Bassett for for Carolina because they, they they're going against a team that's kind of have a little bit of doubt there, but uh, certainly uh, you you've got a situation there kind of like the Big Ten. You got three undefeated teams there in Louisville and uh, Carolina and uh, Florida State, and you just like Penn State, Ohio State, Michigan. Some of these teams are going to knock each other out. One one big difference: those three that we just talked about in the ACC, they don't play each other. Like they legit don't play each other in the regular season. So like they could all end up being undefeated, but coach, I, I got to ask you about this because of what happened. How do you stand up in front of your team after what happened to Miami? He's got to stand up and say, look, I didn't do what I needed to. I mean, you can't fake it. I mean, it was just a mistake, but uh, it needs to be in everybody's contract. It was a minute 30 to go and they got one time out. What are you going to do? And if you don't say Neil, you're not going to get the contract. <laughs> clause. Put it in as the clause. That's great. I like that. Brent, some people may be surprised at the line of USC and Notre Dame. Notre Dame now with two losses on the season to Ohio State and Louisville, but the Fighting Irish a three-point favorite at home against undefeated USC. That's not much belief in USC's defense, huh? Mm-hmm. I mean, they've they've struggled, you know, struggling against Arizona, who Mississippi State beats. Like, it's – you got to play you got to play both sides of the ball, and it's one of those ones where – that that coach, he has consistently not necessarily ignored the other side of the ball, but it's not necessarily something that's ever been a part of his uh, a part of his teams and his team's makeup and DNA. So I don't know. This was I, I did see some interesting things where the U.S. they were practicing. They had like water hoses. Yeah, we did that with the guys with the with the we thing. I thought that. that was interesting. That was good for the punt returns guys. And things like that. But here's the thing: they got Caleb Williams. And uh, this guy knows how to do it. Uh, even though Hartman's okay, you, you still got a, a team that's uh, very capable of scoring a lot of points, but it could go either way. And then I guess the last game we're going to be talking about is Oregon and uh, certainly two of the best teams in the country as far as putting up points. I just think Washington's got a little bit more firepower to help their quarterback than maybe Bo Nix does. I mean, I just think you're not going to beat Washington by yourself scrambling and making plays and defensively uh you know washington had to answer for him last year so we'll see how it goes but we're pulling hard for dan lanning that's for sure washington's a three-point favorite in that game that's a 330 kick on abc so after georgia vandy if you're watching that you'll be able to flip over and catch the game of the week around the country we got we got one more question coach all right. What was was the was the Venmo money well spent for the for the for the family of Donnans? Oh yeah, we enjoyed. Uh, I mean, I went through and I talked to Dane because we did watch along. I was really kind of not my normal self at the end of that game. I mean, I, I didn't think we had a chance. Then we had a chance, and but everybody was happy, and uh, it was just uh, it's just like for our fans around here in Georgia, Florida. I mean, it's just a happening deal. And makes it a lot easier to live among your peers and other other friends there if you got the W that year. So uh, a lot Gabriel, of people, Gabriel played his tail off. Absolutely played his tail off. He did, he did and uh, defense cost 
three turnovers. You know, hey, they couldn't stop the ball. I mean, the guy hit 22 straight against them, but they made enough stop. That goal line stand was awesome. And uh, I couldn't understand why Sark didn't try to score a touchdown at the end of the game instead of just setting up the field goal because you, by doing that, you, you tell OU to go get the ball again. So uh, you never know about but uh, Big win, I, man. Big win. When you keep hearing this stuff, Texas is back. Uh, they are back. They're back in the, <laughs> back in the league again. I want to. What's interesting is like if you look at from the playoff standpoint for them, like if they run the table, they're going to get to play likely get to play Oklahoma again. You know, yep. avenge that loss kind of deal. Like it might be something where they say, "Hey, look, we beat Alabama, and we also avenge our only loss, put us in the playoff." A really good article from Ross Dellinger from Yahoo Sports, uh, part of the Rivals as part of Yahoo. He followed Greg Sankey all of Saturday, including at Oklahoma and Texas, and then went to Alabama and Texas A&M. So there's a lot of good anecdotes just from the future SEC fans of Texas and Oklahoma. So if people want to get a taste of what that day is like, Coach, you can kind of do it through the eyes of Greg Sankey, thanks to Ross Dellinger. So I encourage people to check that out. Also, check out Breda Pest Management, Connor Grading and Landscaping. Thanks for their support of Around the League. We'll see you all next week for mid-October here in the SEC.